0: good morning good afternoon and good evening to the rest of you and welcome back to episode 36 of bitcoin magazine live i am joined today not only by alex mcshane but very special guests all the way from el salvador max kaiser and stacy herbert thank you so much for joining us today how are you guys doing
1: i've got my coconut nice really nice we're in the tropics.
0: Sounds like no complaints can be had.
1: Yes, but well, right. you know what? Bitcoin is for lovers of economic freedom, and that's where we are. We're in the, the province called La Libertad in El Salvador. So it is all about liberty, it's all about freedom, and we feel it, and we feel the happiness, we feel the hope, we feel the love. Everybody here is filled with love and filled with positive attitude. <laughs> yeah.
2: Wow
0: love that and you guys have been down there now for for quite some time talk to us a little bit about sort of when you got there and the energy you felt coming in and and how you've seen that grow and what it's turned into
1: well the first time we arrived here was of course in november for bitcoin week at the time the only information really about down here was if you googled it it was like it's dangerous you're going to be kidnapped you'll be murdered all these sort of things so we arrived and were, of course, very shocked to find the exact opposite. We found paradise. We found utopia. We found happiness and optimism, and you know, very, very, very friendly people and uh, you know, a government who was engaged very actively with the people and wanted the best for Bitcoin and the economy. Now we've been here. We arrived again on January fourth, so we've been here for over a month and. It you know, it, it's kind of like on Bitcoin time. So one day here is like seven days in Fiat World and so much happens every single day. And it's all good. We've only encountered good things. We travel all over the place. You've probably seen our photos. We're constantly tweeting about what restaurants we're at. We're walking through the streets of San Salvador, even downtown, which apparently was just three years ago and no go zone. We've been down there at midnight walking around in front of you know, the, the National Palace. So, we have uh, been enjoying just an amazing, wonderful, easy, nice time here.
3: Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's, it's gorgeous. You know, it's difficult to stay focused because you just want to go out in the, in the water and uh, hang out all day. But we do have to do some work occasionally.
1: <laughs> yeah, we have a big announcement coming out tomorrow, so hopefully everybody will tune into that. But. I also, you know, um, right now it's hard to even lift this uh, coconut here because I did take my first surf lesson. You know, I I am ashamed to admit that it took me all this time being here in El Zante and yet it took me until yesterday. I actually got a lesson from the OG surf instructor here at Chimbera, who is part of the Bitcoin Beach story. So he uh, gave me uh, some lessons. and remarkably and i'll post the photographic evidence the proof of surf i got up stood up on the first go so that was a shock Uh, but it made me kind of fall over because i was laughing so hard because i didn't expect to actually be able to stand up so i was just like broke out in total hysterics and giggles and i fell off the board but then i was only able to stand up like five more times before my arms just gave out so uh you know I, need I like to build
0: up my upper body strength. I like the uh, the casual brag. I, I stood up on a surfboard my first day six times. So but and it, that is incredible Stacy. Congratulations on that.
1: Thank um, you.
0: I'd love to I'd love to maybe just ask the two of you to share with us a little bit about what is what is something other than this big announcement which please let our viewers know where if it should be on Twitter that they should be keeping an eye out for uh, but what are upcoming things that you're seeing get built in El Salvador right now? that's just like giving you more energy and more excitement for what's to come down there?
3: Uh, Well, in March, they're going to start letting people invest in the new Volcano Bonds. So we should see a pricing on that between March 15th and March 21st. So this is uh, extraordinary uh, innovation coming to Bitcoin. Uh, It's really the moment where securities laws are now going to be rewritten based on having a country with Bitcoin as legal tender. So that'll attract a lot of capital to El Salvador, which is positioning itself as the Wall Street of Bitcoin. And for this region, I think it'll very quickly mean a huge bump in um, the economy, GDP, capital coming into the country. It's very funny because last week Fitch, the rating agency, downgraded Mm -hmm. El Salvador. You know, rating agencies are notoriously uh, late uh, lagging indicators. They tend to be about between one and two years behind the actual curve. And so this is a classic situation where they've come in and downgraded a country that's now just on the verge of with GDP exploding, tourism exploding, uh, they're going to recapitalize the entire country with volcano bonds. They'll be debt free probably in 10 years. And um, so that's coming in March. Uh, should, I think that's going to really rock, rock the world.
1: I also want to add you know, my observations of this volcano bond and the process up to it. The fact that the president, Najib Bukele, has managed to keep closest to him in this whole process the best Bitcoiners out there. You know, Samson Mao and Bitfinex have done an amazing job. We've been able to observe it firsthand, and they are just extraordinary, and it just gives me a lot of hope that this is, we're all gonna make it, right? This is, this is actually going to work. Our conversation with the president also, like we walked away from that meeting with him, uh, convinced that he's a Bitcoin maximalist and there's no doubt in my mind about that and he's got the best people around him. So I'm pretty confident about that and that gives me hope for the future of, of what's coming for hyper Bitcoinization. It's happening for real.
0: Love, I love that, especially because sometimes we don't necessarily get uh, the best information when it has to circulate through mainstream media. Max and Stacy as well, I'd love your thoughts on, you mentioned this Volcano Bond getting downgraded. How much of that do you attribute to the IMF and what they're saying about everything Bukele and El Salvador is doing versus actually legitimate concerns, if any?
3: Well, the Volcano Bond didn't get downgraded because it's not yet listed, it's not yet trading. They're, they're talking about the existing sovereign debt. And like I said, the rating agencies tend to be a year or more behind the, the curve, behind the actual news. Remember in a, a stock like Enron, Wall Street gave it a AAA rating buy the day before it collapsed, or James Kramer was on uh, CNBC promoting Bear Stearns the day before it collapsed. wall street and wall street rating analysts are are really tend to be the worst source of security analysis you can possibly find it's it's a quid pro quo game it's pay to play it's uh what's called soft money uh where you get the rating you pay for it's uh payola it's very corrupt so uh I, i guess Fitch, like uh moody's or s p they're on the take they they do whatever you pay them to do and I guess the the U.S. and the IMF is so insecure about El Salvador becoming a a monster powerhouse in finance that they decided they were going to waste some taxpayer money bribing some rating agencies. But, you know, they're not in a fiat world. You know, what's it to them? They just print more. They don't care. Uh, The fact that they cause all this rampant inflation and heartache in the heartland. They don't care about that either. So, you know, this is what Bitcoin fixes. And we have it here in El Salvador, and it's very exciting that that it's becoming legal tender. It's legal tender now and and what the future, the very near term future will bring.
1: I think uh, the president, President Bukele, said it best on on Twitter when he said, guess what? El Salvador, DGAF, (laughs) when they downgraded. And if you read their uh, rationale, I mean, it's a tiny amount. It's $800 million that they have to roll over next year. That's Puny in the global, what, $100 trillion bond market? It's nothing. It's like, it's a joke that they would downgrade, it, 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 especially in an economy which you see, if you come here, it's booming. There are like tourists everywhere. Hotels are difficult to find because it's totally booked up. Uh, people are spending big here and they're coming in and uh, so much investment is coming into the economy rapidly. Uh, It's a a joke, so of course, but the way uh, the fiat world works is nobody will have to get fired or or demoted from getting it wrong completely.
0: I like to say uh, in a lot of industries, but especially fiat oriented, you can continue to fail upwards and and get fired for a promotion repeatedly. Yes. Um, for context, you mentioned it's an eight hundred million dollar debt that they're sort of downgrading. The U.S. debt currently sits at over thirty trillion dollars, but no one wants to, you know, scold or talk to the U.S. or have the IMF discuss with the U.S. Maybe uh redefining their monetary policy that the rest of the world has exactly. to.
1: Exactly. Overall debt is larger, but the the payment the payment they right. have to make that that they can roll over is just eight hundred million next year. So the, they've the got published the debt across.
0: is is that, that 30 trillion. God, God help us when uh, we've finally come to terms and realize what that number actually looks like.
3: Right, you know, and of course, when you're looking at uh, sovereign economics and doing credit analysis, the debt to GDP number it, and the percentage is always looked at. And in this country, it's uh, higher than it was five years ago. In the US, of course, it's over 100%. But it, you know, a lot of it has to do with how you define GDP. So in the UK a few years ago, to to make the debt look smaller compared to GDP, they they started to include heroin use and prostitution in the way that the country calculates its GDP just to make the debt look smaller. I would imagine that in the US last week when they were giving out crack pipes to everybody, that's a way to boost GDP. They'll include crack in the GDP. It'll make the debt look smaller, right? But in El Salvador, they don't worship crack. They're not crackheads here. Uh, They're not degenerates like you find in uh, the White House and and in Washington, D.C. These are these are good people. You know, they're not they're not they're not degenerates.
1: Actually, if if you look at the global debt to GDP, the average is about 97 percent debt to GDP across all nations across the world. Uh, Higher, you know, the uh, developed nations, the the richest nations is even higher than that. They're over 100 percent. But El Salvador is at about eighty-four and a half percent right now, eighty-five percent. So they're actually uh, trending. Uh, they're you know they're doing better than a lot of economies around the world. They're yeah, that number is
3: going to go to zero in the next five, six, seven years, thanks to volcano bonds.
0: They're doing better than most countries with regards to GDP and debt. They're trending in the right direction. I saw a statistic a few weeks ago that. In the last six months they have actually seen an increase in tourism versus many other countries that have seen a decrease it it only sounds like el salvador seems to be uh focused on one direction that is growth and moving their country and citizens forward um do you mind sharing a little bit i know you've spent so much time with bukele working with him talking with him and and going around spreading the word about bitcoin uh both in el salvador and helping him talk abroad can you share a little bit about what these conversations look like with him what you guys are discussing and maybe uh just a little bit about what where his head is at as far as what he'd like to see el salvador focus on in well, Bitcoin. he's
3: definitely a bitcoin maximalist he knows all the players he knows um we heard some very funny stories about some of the shit coins that we're trying to get into el salvador not
1: from him we've heard it from other people expose but, them uh, yeah just so you understand like yeah. he didn't talk about them no but he's a bitcoin maximalist and uh uh he's really smart okay like so you understand, like when, like he tweets one way, he's a he's a public figure just like Max would go up on stage and, and shout and scream, but he's uh, more, he's very, very intelligent, very smart and very uh, calm. <laughs> and um, he gets Bitcoin like deeply. We talked extensively about that. That was a lot of our conversation was talking about, uh, you know, how he came about Bitcoin i've read his biography in you know in spanish that was written back in um 20 2018 but it covers him back to 2012 when he's first starting out as a running for mayor for nueva Cus- Cuscatlan which is outside of uh, san salvador before he became mayor of san salvador and all of these quotes from him back in 2012 were i thought I asked him. I thought he was maybe a Bitcoiner then because he spoke like a Bitcoiner, and his his what his concerns were were all economic and about sort of that fiat problems of cantillionaires and fact that like we should attract here to El Salvador. The fact that the number one priority of most people here up until the president Bukele. Was that people wanted to leave El Salvador? They wanted to go to America, and that was the dream of most Salvadorans. Now he needs to you know swap that around and get all the diaspora. There's like three million Salvadorans living in America. The dream needs to be here, and the actual the economic reality needs to be here. So why not build an economy that they want to return to? Why not build a, 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 an economy and a culture like where it's safe and and good to build your wealth and i think you see that we we've met many salvadorans here who actually live in america and are returning here or they're visiting here and thinking of moving back and they can't believe they they came back from los angeles mostly and they're like they want to see with their own two eyes is this real because this was never part of the story that they had growing up but now it's swapped around so uh, that was that's in my my opinion that's what is the number one thing for him
2: so when thinking about um, kind of the future potential for, for bringing people in, does the Bitcoin City play into your analysis of the, you know, the future of El Salvador? Are you, you excited about the prospects of that? I know some Bitcoiners are skeptical to have like a central citadel, but the project sounds amazing.
3: Oh, uh, Bitcoin City, um, it's as I understand it, you know, it's a free enterprise zone. So there's no capital gains tax, there's no income tax, there's no payroll tax. And it will be, of course, uh, on top of the all the legislation and laws that are being rewritten to in the securities front, that'll be all Bitcoin-centric. So um, it, it's gonna be a destination for people, uh, I think, to start their companies, to relocate their companies, and, um, Something like a Singapore, for example, uh, which is it just becomes a magnet for capital and for entrepreneurs. And um, I haven't heard a single person say anything negative about it. That's first I've, ever, I've heard anyone say anything negative about it because it, it's such an obviously good thing. But I mean, uh, I have not heard a single naysayer.
1: But also, as Max mentioned, they're introducing the president will be introducing these a package of new laws in the next week perhaps uh, two weeks and um, it's deep and comprehensive, like it's massive across the board. And it will, after this, you'll see what's gonna happen. The entire economy, not just Bitcoin city is going to become like a Singapore. This is gonna happen within the next year. This is, uh, it's a radical transformation of the economy and it's happening right now. As I think Jack Dorsey said something like that in an interview recently with Michael Saylor. Is like the future is happening right now in El Salvador, and it is. When you're here, you feel it and you know it. And uh, you know this guy is serious and he's committed to economic liberty. And you'll see, you'll see. Watch what he does, not what people in the U.S. corporate media say. Just watch what he does, and you'll see for yourselves.
0: Actions speak louder than words. And I think you say it brilliantly, Stacey, we can't we can't always just trust the source that we're receiving the information from. Let people's actions dictate how you feel and what you believe. Um, I'd love you guys have touched a little bit on, on some of the citizens discussing my hometown of Los Angeles, which is completely gone to shit. Uh c- citizens of here going back home. I'm curious in those interactions. Are these El Salvadorians who were born in El Salvador and immigrated at, at a later point, or were they born in America and have, have since gone back for a visit, just for like context purposes?
1: We, well, we've encountered both, but uh, many who were born here and they go to America. That's like how people have lived here for the past few decades post-Civil War, is there's no opportunity here. A lot of the economy was based on a model of economic hitmen, essentially, you know, which is that we take all your resources, including the most valuable of them, which is your human resources, the the people, the the brightest minds of your economy, we take them, bring them to America, and you get, um, you know, the criminals we trained in our uh, California prisons, at like MS-13. So that's the trade that's been going on for the past few decades. And, you know, the political situation has, you know we have they have a similar situation here up until president Bukele, similar to the united states of two parties control everything and they pretend to be against each other but really what they're doing is like dividing up the booty and like living like cantillionaires so that is that is intentionally over that that's that system is over where you want to return here now because the opportunity is here do you want to live amongst fecal matter in Los Angeles? Or do you want to live where, you know, with your coconuts and surfing and good times happening? The future is happening here. Jack Dorsey is telling you the future's happening here. What are you doing in Los Angeles?
0: I, uh, I'm i unfortunately here for the uh, short term, but hopefully not for <laughs> much longer. If only if only Bitcoin Magazine would send me on a one-way flight to El Salvador, I will be, uh, yeah, do I will it. be there shortly. Um, I want to also ask not only about El Salvadorians who maybe don't necessarily live. That makes up 3 million. El Salvador has just over 6 million citizens right now as well. Talk to us about the conversations about El Salvadorians who live in El Salvador around Bitcoin. What have those conversations been like? Um, I know there have been some instances where there have been protests against this, whether that was purely out of uh, not understanding the technology or whether that was out of something else completely. would love your general thoughts on that.
3: Well, like anywhere else, the conversation runs the full spectrum. So you have people that are just finding out about it, people who are bit into it, and people who are zealots. And all across the board, uh, everyone we've met in the government is a Bitcoin maximalist, understands the technology profoundly, talks about the technology brilliantly, and they're very excited about it. The people on the street, you know, again, you find those who are definitely into it, Uh, They talk about it. Then you have the curious. uh, But the fact is that the the population had uh, 70% unbanked before Bitcoin. And now I think that's completely reversed. It's 70% is now banked thanks to Bitcoin. There are more Bitcoin wallets and users in El Salvador than there were users of the banking system in total combined with all banks in El Salvador. So there's been a complete flip in in less than six months. And that's a remarkable transformation in less than six months. So uh, within that group, you have people that they got their airdrop of Bitcoin and they're still checking it out. They're still looking at it. They're still finding out about it. I know that uh, with with, uh, groups like Swan Bitcoin, they are on the ground with education. So education is always appreciated. Bitcoin magazine is always interested in doing education. And uh, we're also interested in promoting education. There's the Hope House here in El Zante, which is Bitcoin Beach. And they're constantly doing education and meetups. We've got um, Paxville in San Salvador. They just opened up a, a Bitcoin house. They're doing round-the-clock educational seminars. The, they're, they're booked for weeks on end. People want to get there and get educated to buy it. So as you know, it's a virtuous cycle. Uh, you just, you, once you start thinking about Bitcoin, it changes the way you think about lots of stuff and you want more and more and more and then the community gets stronger and stronger. And so it's a virtuous cycle and you see that playing out right here with, in a country that's made Bitcoin legal tender. So uh, it's like a Bitcoin meetup times a thousand mm. powered by volcanoes where you can go surfing.
1: Uh, and I, I Also, I would add as well that, um, yes, I think there were some protests in San Salvador. But again, like, you know, that I, I think from my observation, it appears to just be um, politics. You know, you don't, of course, you don't, you don't want your opponent to succeed, right? In like transforming the economy and turning it into the new Singapore, where you have presided over a dilapidated state where people flee for the past 30, 40 years. Like, why would you want to be exposed as, like, a, a bad leader and a fraud that you were, your parties were for decades, right? So that's just natural. Um, on top of that, like, here in El Dante, th- like, the fact that the system, the banking system, as Max mentioned, 70% of the population here was unbanked. And that, ironically, kind of drove in Bitcoin Beach area, which is very famous for surfing. So you had a lot of... Uh, tourists coming here uh, solely for surfing over the past decades and we spoke to a shop owner who she was telling us that you know she ended up getting Bitcoin in her shop because she had so many Europeans here and the Europeans would come and they had euros there is no ATM because the banking system doesn't have ATMs provided for these sort of poor poor communities outside of the cities here So there was no cash and people would come in and uh, want to pay for their food or coffee and from Europe and all they would have is euros and they didn't have any dollars. So she would have to say, well, you'd have to go to El Tunco, which is like 20 minutes away and there's an ATM there. So she started to get asked, "Uh, do you accept Bitcoin? How about Bitcoin? So that was like the, the, the fact that the banking system here was so crap is part of the reason why uh, Bitcoin adoption was driven. And, you know, in terms of ha- how the perception here, of course, this is Bitcoin Beach. Uh, Mike Peterson and Chimbetta, you know, Roman Martinez and Jorge Valenzuela have done an amazing job, extreme education on the ground, helping people out here. So it's hyper Bitcoinized here. Like it's, it's as a Bitcoiner for a long time, this is like, a fantasy world here. You almost can't believe this is true, that you're not hallucinating, that it's just hyper Bitcoinized. There's no question. There's no explanation. You don't need to explain it. They just get it.
2: So so what are some of the um, what does that look like to someone who hasn't been to El Salvador yet? Are you seeing regular citizens continue to use Chivo? I haven't heard much from Chivo in a long time. So I'm wondering what what are they using to facilitate Bitcoin in shops and around El Salvador these days?
3: Uh, I'm using the Moon Wallet, M U U N, the Moon Wallet, because it's just easy. Uh, the Chiba Wallet is for citizens, uh, so they're using that. I haven't used it. I'm not a citizen at this at this moment, not quite yet. Uh, so I'm, uh, there's a plethora of different wallets being used, and um, people are very quick to use Bitcoin for payments because it's just really handy. It's People, you know, tend to carry their phones around. They don't necessarily want to carry cash around. That's one thing. You're on the beach and you go in the water. Your clothes are on the beach or what have you. And you want to leave a bunch of cash right there? No, you know, it's it's perfect. You know, you just have it on your, locked up on your phone and you can use it. So it's just very natural. You know, at some point, what's going to happen in the world, you know, it happened when we saw the internet. The internet went from, in 1996, when I started my... Dot com company in Los Angeles, the Hollywood Stock Exchange, the the internet was still a novelty. Uh, Paul Krugman was writing about it that it wouldn't have any impact greater than the fax machine. And people were doubtful that the internet was actually going to succeed. And uh, people were trying to grapple with, like, well, how does it work? You know, what's a packet? You know, what? This is too complicated. And then it hits that inflection point, it becomes ubiquitous. And now we're in a We're in an internet world. So Bitcoin, similarly, what we're seeing here is what we're going to see in the rest of the world in in, in a few years. That is, it's just accepted. People are not bogged down with trying to even know how it works or why it works. They just use it because it's part of the environment. It's part of the ecosystem. It becomes ubiquitous. It's as natural as using any other technology that becomes ingrained and inculcated in your day-to-day life. So that's what we're seeing right here. Bitcoin hyper-Bitcoinization lives here.
1: I also want to add about Chivo we've have friends I've I've actually made payments to friend on on Chivo both on chain and lightning Um, so it it worked instantly they have hired a new alpha point you know to come in and, and revamp everything and one thing I've heard from people who use it is the remarkable thing is that there's zero commission like basically you're getting like the spot price for Bitcoin so you know, when we get our citizenship and I could start to use it, I would consider that for uh, the basically free trading. So it is, people have pointed out, Bitcoiners who I know have pointed out how remarkable that you can get this without zero commission, zero no no spread, no nothing.
3: Yeah. And you're definitely starting to see now an impact on the remittance market. So $400 million a year in yeah. remittances, 10 yeah. uh, up to 10% of that or so would go to Western Union and other intermediaries. So that's 40 or 50 million dollars now that's just going to go right into people's pockets. It's not going to go into the intermediaries. Uh, That's a big chunk of change. And uh, so the whole dynamics and economics shift because uh, Bitcoin is perfect
1: money. And uh, one more thing is, you know, uh, I was actually part of that lightning torch. So when, you know, back in the reckless days of lightning and um, everybody talks about lightning It's debated all the time and theoretical debates about uh whether or not it's work is it possible is gonna is this a joke blah 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 well like it's used everywhere here in el zante it's ubiquitous so it's like it's it's not theoretical here it's just is and so it's amazing to walk into a world off of bitcoin twitter and step into Uh, the future that many say can't exist, but it's actually happening right here.
4: My fellow clubs, the Bitcoin conference is back. Those are stackable. So go to b.tc forward slash conference and attend the best conference in Bitcoin history.
0: I love that. I mean, it's truly inspiring to see the playbook being written. Um, Someone needs to do it, and you guys are, are helping leading that charge. And I personally want to thank you for that, for spreading the word and making sure we are humanizing what's going on down there because it can be very easily manipulated and people could just be spun out as we see very quickly and very easily.
3: Well, uh, this is my reward for being a Bitcoin maximalist. You know, I've had <laughs> to fight the shitcoins for 11 years. And uh, so now I'm living on the beach in tropical paradise and Bitcoin hyperbitcoinization, bitcoinization uh, watching on my Twitter stream all these shit corners go down in flames. And, uh, you know, this is Satoshi's rewarding me. I'm living in Satoshi heaven.
0: Max, I, w- I want to give you an opportunity, if you, if you are up for it, to uh, essentially call out any of these shit coins and uh, any of their holders, give them one reason as to why to switch from that shit coin to Bitcoin.
3: Well, if it's not Bitcoin, it's centralized garbage, either relatively or absolutely. It's not secure. You know, Ether can be shut off at a heartbeat. It's all on corporate clusters and servers. And if the government wanted to either A, classify it as a security or B, consider it a security risk in some way, they could simply turn it off. And that's uh, everything tied to it. NFTs, uh, you know, all, all that garbage. And um, and then it gets worse from there.
1: Imagine if El Salvador had chosen any of the shit coins, anyone, think of them, any, uh, any of the thousands, instead of Bitcoin. And right. then he had been like to the IMF, we don't give a fuck. Any of that stuff, like any of how he responds to these institutions who think they know better for what's good for El Salvador than the president does. So, what would they do? Like, the heads of all, like the leader of any of those shit coins would be contacted by the US Department of Justice or the IMF or any of these institutions and they would say, Hey, unplug El Salvador from your coin. And they'd be like, Okay, please. Let, I'll do it for you. Just leave me alone. So, you know, Bitcoiners, we could just, we're the warriors. We're the only warriors out there.
0: We, we are the only ones who, who truly can see the light and are reading between the lines. Um, you bring up, Max, the most important point about Bitcoin versus anything else, which is the centralization of everything else and the decentralized aspect of Bitcoin and, and the sheer benefit of that. We've witnessed of north, just north of the border here in America, the Canadian trucker protests get shut down. Centralized entities that are controlling the money or collecting the money, the government stepping in and telling them what they can and can't do with that. Uh, Bitcoin fixes this. Bitcoin solves this. I'd love to hear your thoughts, both of you, on Russia's recent announcement about pushing forward to legalize Bitcoin and what that may have as far as an impact on the global Bitcoin scale.
3: Well, the two words, game theory. Mm. So Russia is smart enough to respect game theory, whereas China, maybe not so much. That's why China got rid of their miners, because I think China's leadership is very arrogant and they think they're above game theory. Russian leadership is very pragmatic and they see game theory playing out they realized that what happened to the truckers in the centralized payment systems, to give one example, or to Julian Assange when they cut off from uh, MasterCard, Visa, and PayPal, or when they sanctioned Iran over the SWIFT system, they're like, uh, you know, uh, we, we, we have to create our own system for redundancy. And now, after a few years, they realize that well, actually, now it's, it's obvious that Bitcoin in this winner take all hard money global race for perfect money is the winner. So we're adjusting our thinking, right? They're not ideologues. They're not dictators. They're not stupid. They, I mean, they go with the flow and they see that Bitcoin is emerging as the world global reserve asset and they're making adjustments accordingly. You know, it's the country has a lot of different constituents, and they're all battling for a voice in the Kremlin. And uh, you know, it's not—it's not like the, the the president can just write a dictate. It's not—it's not what people perceive it to be. They have to go through a political process, and they've been moving this political process along for a while. Obviously, on Kaiser Report, we've been talking about it for ten years. We've never heard any word uh, ever suggesting we should stop talking about Bitcoin. That was my clue that there was light at the end of this tunnel. That was all political nonsense. Because, And sure enough, I was right, again.
1: Yeah, also, so. like, like think of uh, how a chess player operates. If you know you're gonna lose your queen by making a move, why you don't do it, right? You just, why would you make that move? It's not, from, we don't have any special insight. We just have our own brains and our understanding of game theory. Look at any of the words that he himself, Putin, mentioned over the previous five years. Only like two or three times was he asked about Bitcoin. But he revealed that he understood it profoundly. He knows what it is. So when people were shouting and screaming and shrieking in our direct messages and stuff like that over the past, a few weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, saying Russia's about to ban Bitcoin because the central bank of IRA wants to ban Bitcoin. I was like, why would Putin do something? Why would he make a move that he knows he can't win? Like, he knows you can't ban Bitcoin. So why would he announce, I'm going to ban Bitcoin. Oops, it failed. He's going to instead look at it and say, well, because I can't ban it, I'm going to pretend I'm legalizing it. It's like, okay, okay, buddy. Like, you, you couldn't ban it anyway. So, like, I think that's more the situation that happened. He's just smart enough to know he can't ban it and that he's going to need it. He sees that He needs it. He sees uh, the sanctioning, as Max mentioned, back to the days of when uh, Obama first pulled Iran off SWIFT. That was the first. That was the weaponization of the dollar. Like it, it had always been kind of like um, right before pre-weaponization, but that was when it was got weaponized, and that's when it uh, that's that was the end of the dollar essentially, because even Germany started to work on an alternative to uh, SWIFT.
2: So I have a twofold follow up question. I guess first, yeah, you, as you've mentioned, Bitcoin obviously benefits early adopters and punishes laggards by way of they'll get in at a higher price. It's not really a question of if they'll, they'll they'll have to get in eventually. So my first question would be like, who are the next nation states that you have your eyes on? And then outside of this. I, I would love to hear, uh, Max, your take on the Russia-Ukraine situation that's been all over the news. What the heck is going on there?
3: Right. So for on the, on the adoption of uh, different countries, and also the comment about the early adopters benefit and the later adopters are not necessarily benefiting. I think that that deserves some comments because ultimately Bitcoin demonetizes war and monetizes peace. So we're all equally benefiting if we have global Bitcoinization by a world that love and peace have been monetized. And the actual orientation toward money, scarcity, hoarding, wealth is fundamentally changed. And I think that that's going to be a big bonus for our our whole species, to, to, to be frank. Now, if you look at which countries are in line to adopt Bitcoin, you have Central America and Africa are the two most uh, active parts of the world. Central America, obviously, with El Salvador, uh, you have five countries in Central America. They're, they're talking to each other all the time. There's been a dream now for 150 years of unifying these five countries. Uh, that's now back in play. People are talking about it again. Bitcoin could be the standard for the entire region. Uh, we've got now uh, the billionaires in Mexico are promoting Bitcoin heavily. Mexico is in play. Argentina is in play. With Strike is now in Argentina, like they were in El Salvador. So Latin America, Central America, definitely Bitcoin adoption is exploding. And in, in, over in Africa, in Nigeria, you, you know Ray over at Paxville. Has done an incredible job in orange-pilling that entire continent, really, uh, and that's spreading all, all over Africa. It's because the use case, what well, Bitcoin in Africa is incredible. You know, these countries couldn't commerce with each other before mm. Bitcoin because uh, even though they might be two, two miles away, you couldn't do any commercial activity with all these different countries because they were so balkanized financially. You know, imagine if you couldn't do business with New Jersey and New York and Connecticut and Long Island, that you couldn't do business together because you were completely separate some financial systems and different regulations. So Bitcoin breaks that apart. And, and and for the continent of Africa, it's incredibly entrepreneurial. And now they've got perfect money. So we are going to see an incredible move there. So those are the two the two biggest hot zones. As far as what's going on between Russia, Ukraine, you know, obviously. Uh, it, I, it's very similar to me to this recurring uh, pantomime, where every six months or so, we hear about the Fed is going to raise rates, right? For 25 years, the Fed's going to raise rates. And of course, they can't raise rates because you can't taper a Ponzi scheme. But people will always get all worried about, oh, they're going to raise rates. but. And, of course, now we're at the point now in that cycle where they're starting to say, actually, we think we might need to launch QE5. We might have to lower rates. Japan just actually did a massive QE program, as I understand it. So they're already engaged in QE. And on a net basis, the central banks have been continuing in their program of buying their own debt Uh, debt monetization globally at an extraordinary rate. So there's been no uh, there's been no uh, there's been no diminishment in the money printing and the QE at all. Uh, And that's Mm -hmm. that never is going to change. And so uh, Russia, Ukraine is similar So here. I I don't want to shock anybody with my real politique, but this is what actually happens. So you have QE and you have uh, money printing and and these are the primary ways that the dollar is debased. The cantillionaires become billionaires and cantillionaires, and America goes down the shithole, as we've seen now for, since 1971, since we went off the gold standard. But there's another way that you can print lots of money, mm-hmm. and that is you do this whole pantomime and, and fan dance with, oh, Russia is going to invade Ukraine. Oh, no! We need the Pentagon, which already gets 1.5 trillion of our tax dollars, 50 cents of every tax dollar. They say, send us another 200 billion today, or Russia's going to invade Ukraine. So they go, "Okay, you got it. And then that's just money printing. And then it never goes into the economy. It stays in the banks. They hoard the money. We know this because money velocity is at zero. So it's just more money printing. It's another bailout. The, the US mainstream media is an extension of Raytheon and Boeing. They, they have no independence whatsoever. It's pure government-controlled media in America. There is no, except for Joe Rogan. And of course, they need to get rid of Joe Rogan because he's the only independent voice in America. We need to shut him down because he, it, we, we can then see that Rachel Maddow is whoring for rocket de- sellers, for bomb manufacturers. right? She's on TV, exposing herself for 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 weapons dealers, right? So that's it's just more bailout. So it's bullshit. By in the next two days, the whole thing's going to fizzle out as it always does, and they'll have some other crisis. It'll be China. It'll be some new terrorist organization. It'll be you know whatever it is. It's the same script over and over again. It's like being trapped on Gilgan's Island for thirty years. <laughs> the same cast the same stories, the same stupid shit over and over and over again. At least write different stories. You're so boring. Exactly. It's so boring. Come up with some different propaganda. Don't give me the same propaganda every day. I mean, go to Hollywood, hire some writers and get some good propaganda. You're so boring. (laughs) Well,
0: what what is uh, Confucianism? Confucius' definition for insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. A world. Einstein. Einstein. my apologies.
3: Confucius said, don't misquote Einstein, or you look foolish.
0: I will, you know, I got to take that one to the bank.
3: <laughs> I tell you, Einstein also said one of the most powerful forces in the universe is compounded interest. <laughs> you look at Bitcoin, it's been compounding interest at over 100% a year for 12, 13 years. So that's what makes it. That's why, that's why Peter Schiff looks like such a stupid fucking jackass, because he doesn't understand how technology uh, is, is expanding uh, on, on a functionality of exponential growth. He's still thinking like gold. He's a gold guy. So he's got a shovel, and he digs a hole, and he puts a gold. And he goes to the bank, and he sticks it in a vault, and then he forgets about it. That's a very linear. There's no exponential function in gold. It's very linear. It can never, ever expand faster than the rate of inflation. You're never going to beat inflation with gold. You might keep up with inflation, but although that hasn't happened in the last five or six years, uh, but ten. 10 years. But you know, 10 years, gold's been down 1%. I think Bitcoin's up 400,000%. And Peter Schiff is doing a victory lap, <laughs> right? So whatever meds he's on, either take more, take less, or get off those drugs. Whatever, whatever the situation is, but whatever the drug is, it's not working.
2: It's just that complacency, man. It's like there's some people. I think if you can't, if you don't have the ability to admit that you're wrong, I think it becomes very difficult to adopt Bitcoin. It requires that you know that you accept that you fundamentally didn't understand how money works and. No, I, I, blame, I blame
3: Joe Rogan. I blame Joe Rogan because he has Peter Schiff on like three times. Every <laughs> six to nine months, he has Peter Schiff on. Has, has Michael Saylor been on Joe Rogan? No. Has uh, any uh, three of... You know, I'm not, I haven't been on Joe... You know, okay.
1: Andreas Antonopoulos has been on. Andreas
3: was Andreas. on like se- seven or eight years ago. Yeah. You know, but that was a d- completely different era, I think. In, in the Michael Saylor, Saylor era, you've got now a whole new crop. Uh, of communicators or influencers, if you will. And, and Michael Saylor is, would be a great Joe Rogan guest or Jack Dorsey is the great Joe Rogan guest, right? So where is Joe Rogan on this? You know, he shares some responsibility for this, yeah.
2: Joe. He had Adam Curry was the most recent one and, and he definitely knows who you and Saylor are. And I yeah, let's get Max and Saylor both well, on, build on Adam Joe Rogan. Curry.
3: On uh, Bitcoin, uh, originally, yeah. uh, we know we got him to be a maximalist uh, in Bitcoin, so he's very grateful for that. We orange-pilled Safedina Moose. You know, Safedina Moose was a shitcoin hater. Uh, and then, as he readily admits, we orange-pilled him.
1: He was a hater of Bitcoin.
3: Yeah, hater of Bitcoin. Uh, and the, the list of people is, is quite lengthy.
1: Well, I don't know if he was actually a hater of Bitcoin, but he was skeptical.
3: Skeptic.
0: Yeah. It okay. was a
1: Bitcoin bug. He was a gold, gold bug. bug. Sorry.
0: Let, let me ask the two of you this, because and if you saw Bitcoin and it, it made sense from day one, it made sense from day one. I myself had certain reservations when I first learned about it that it took some time for me to get over. Those initial moments when you first learned about Bitcoin, was there oh, any sort of block yeah. or hurdle you had to...
3: For me, you know, I'm basically a megalomaniac. So in 1996, I tried to take over Hollywood with the Hollywood Stock Exchange. So I invented a virtual currency, virtual securities, and a virtual market maker. And I was trying to grab the entire Hollywood industry by introducing trading on their assets on an exchange called the Hollywood Stock Exchange to essentially create a commercial entity that would be up and running for a year before their movies opened. And then by the time their movies opened, they would be, almost be a non-event. So like Godzilla part four would be on HSX for a year or two, and we'd be uh, trading it aggressively based on future box office, et cetera. Same thing for all the stars. And because HSX was centralized, the studios killed it. And uh, I sold out my stock because I had a falling out with the board, and I moved to France. When Bitcoin came around in 2011, I'm like, oh, this is great because nobody can kill it and it's going to take over the world.
1: When, when we found it in 2011, that's when we first covered it, early 2011.
3: Yeah, in 2011, we, we, we discovered it, it was a dollar. And it was as it was explained to me by John Matonis, I, I, I immediately figured this is going to take over the world, and, but you can't kill it. It's uncensorable, unconfiscatable, it's immortal. It's immortal, perfect money. It appeals to the basis human instinct of greed. And uh, it has, it triggers infinite human demand. Nothing else triggers infinite human demand, not gold, not fiat, not even sex. There's only one thing that triggers infinite human demand and that is Bitcoin. That's why it's gonna continue to go up because humans, it's insatiable. They can never ever get enough Bitcoin.
1: Just look at Michael Saylor.
3: Just look at Michael Saylor. I see him shaking down kids at the schoolyard to get their Bitcoin. He's like, kid, Give me your lunch money i want to buy more bitcoin you know the guy is out there committing petty larceny so he can get more money to buy bitcoin he's become a bitcoin addict he needs to go to bitcoin anonymous
1: for for me i think my journey was a a little bit longer just because in the early days so we were at that first bitcoin conference and it was like all of the you know, the autistic sort of coders, like they were all coders, tech guys, hackers. And for the first few years, I thought more of Bitcoin as like, it was a technology and the people like Mike Hearn and Gavin Andreessen when they're rage quitting, like that this this might, that that this is a technology and all the technologists, the coders are abandoning it. And that to me was like, I, I didn't realize just that, you know, like with um, Nick Bhatia's book, Layered Money, that this was the third ever um, layer one money. Like I didn't understand, like it was money, it wasn't technology at that time. So, and that really only like totally solidified for me, like completely and uh, March of 2020 during the pandemic, when, remember when Bitcoin fell down to 3000, but, The money printing and the extraordinary lockdown of the global economy it just like something happened that you see that in the entire bitcoin community by the way not only did it that moment bring in the likes of paul tudor jones who's one of the smartest hedge fund managers out there but also michael saylor was drawn into bitcoin at that time so There was like we skipped like into another dimension at that moment. Something something happened and it also happened for me. I mean, obviously, I was like already a Bitcoiner and a maximalist, but there was like no going back. There was like zero doubt and all doubt was removed from my mind that any that this had anything to do with technology, that it was just pure money.
3: Yeah, well, I think at around block 300,000, Bitcoin became self-aware. And what Stacy is commenting on is that she started to understand Bitcoin as a living organism, and it spoke to her.
1: True, true.
0: I love that. That's very beautifully said, and thank you both for, for sharing those stories with us. Um, I do want to uh, present you guys a, a question, and forgive the ignorance uh, on my end, but can you touch on if El Salvador is self-custodying their own Bitcoin and why or why not?
1: We, uh, we don't know we, we're not we, we don't have that sort of access where they're going to tell us that so um, I do hope I, I assume uh, they have multi-sig and um, I, I know that the president is very smart and he reads uh, Bitcoin Twitter he's a member of Bitcoin Twitter and just I think people enough people smart people tweeting at him uh, it, you know it, he learns from that so i'm assuming he knows best practices uh, just because the man i met is smart so i'm assuming but i cannot verify
0: no no problem at all we wanted to ask but
2: there's yeah there's also like the question q of like it becomes complicated when you're an institution like as a citizen of el salvador you want this one man walking around with your keys like it has to be some kind of uh almost like a commercial multi-signature solution i can't think of another way to do it safely yeah. M- multiple key holders
1: yeah that makes sense i am assuming that's the sort of a uh, thing they have but i'm not sure that they would uh publicize it i don't know i don't know i don't know i don't know the answer is i don't know
0: maybe honestly and max and stacy i'm gonna give you guys a little homework but to so your point, Alex, self-custody is like for the self, for the individual, maybe as more nation states and as more corporations begin to hold it, we need to come up with a new terminology for what that actually is in regard to Bitcoin and make a Bitcoin word for it. So I leave it right. I leave it in the hands of everyone watching and listening too. Feel free to tweet at us and let us know what you think could be a, a good word for nation states holding Bitcoin on their balance sheet
1: exactly come up with a word uh come up with a plan uh tweet your plan and uh tag the president and uh, hopefully you know he'll see it maybe he's already done it like i'm assuming the guy's already like 10 steps ahead of everybody else maybe he's already uh he's laughing at us trying to figure out what he's already figured out
0: uh president bukele if you are watching this hello thank you for doing uh god's work down in el salvador um Max, I, I do want to ask you and Stacy as well, I, I will say personally, watching you come on that stage last year at the conference in your white suit, cursing up a storm at anyone who, uh, who frankly deserved it, really, really sat with me well, and, and I enjoyed hearing what you and, and Michael were talking about. I'd love to maybe hear from you what you're most excited for beyond Bukele's announcement that uh, will be happening at the conference. Is there anything else that you're excited for for Bitcoin 22?
3: Uh, yeah, we were talking to uh, the Bitcoin 22 organizers uh, last week, and uh, they said they love my chat with Michael Saylor, uh, and they said, is there any way you can increase the intensity? <laughs> and I said, yeah, absolutely. You know, David Bailey is <laughs> given me the green light to uh, try to levitate that auditorium and, and cause an outright riot, which I'm hmm. happy to do. So that's my goal. That's what I'll be focusing on.
1: I, uh, uh, I kind of heard a different conversation, I think it was <laughs> the opposite, but let's see, let's see. Uh, in terms of what I expect from Bitcoin 2022, I, I can't wait for President Bukele to be on stage because I think this is going to be a genuine uh, rock star moment. I can't wait for everybody in America and around the world who traveled to Miami for this to see him speak and to, to witness him in person. I think it's going to be amazing. And I know uh, many, many uh, congresspeople, politicians, all sorts of people, thinkers, big, big names here in El Salvador are going to be there. So I think it's going to be Salvadoran. I think uh, maybe you need a pupusa stand for sure over there at Bitcoin 2022. If you haven't already planned that, I think Bitcoin Magazine needs to make sure that happens because there will be many people missing their pupusas. We can't just have, uh, you know, Cubanos and uh, tacos we need some pupusas
0: Check. uh i i am adding that to the notes and i've already sent it to the organizers as well i have already booked my flight to el salvador so i will be there uh late april now so alex uh heads up you might need some more vacation time yes <laughs> okay. i do want to present i know i don't want to be uh steal your guys' time too much. I know you have a lot of stuff going on in El Salvador. We yeah,
1: have some surfing to do. The waves are huge. I don't know if you can hear it. Yeah, the waves they're, are, they're are calling huge. me.
0: <laughs> well, I will. I, I do want to let you guys then get back in the water. I, I am so jealous. I'm so jealous, to be quite honest. But please make sure you guys check out the Kaiser Report. Where else should our viewers and followers be watching and looking out for anything else that you guys are working on?
1: Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, YouTube dot com forward slash orange pill join our telegram group t.me forward slash orange pill and of course follow us on twitter follow me first because i'm stacy herbert s-t-a-c-y-h-e-r-b-e-r-t and i only have like a third of the followers or fourth of the followers that he does a third so, a third so i need more <laughs> to catch up to him
0: so it sounds like a little competition we need to help stacy out guys Everyone needs to go smash. Well, I,
3: you know, going back a few years, uh, Stacy had about two thousand followers back in the year two thousand and uh, I was like, "Oh wow, what is this Twitter thing? I can't let Stacy <laughs> get it, you know, get all those followers." So I, I entered the arena.
1: There was a point when I had more followers than Max. Did, you did, so yeah. It was pretty cool.
3: So uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, follow Stacy for sure, because her Twitter feed is actually full of useful things. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, my Twitter feed has to, to be uh,
3: useless. Uh, there's, there's a lot of shit posting and, and uh, vendettas. I like to post a lot of vendettas against <laughs> people that I haven't seen in 40 years, but... I I assume they're out there, so I just do cryptic vendettas that make no sense.
1: I had my best moment in all my years, since 2009 on Twitter yesterday, I was so happy uh, when Adam Back jumped into my conversation with Alex Gladstein about President Bukele, and Adam Back himself agreed with what I was saying, which was that you must give the president credit for an amazing, amazing thing he did. And there's nobody else who could take credit. It was President Bukele and perhaps his brothers together with this idea of Bitcoin and they implemented it with the best people around them. They chose the best people. They didn't chose any crap people and they did it themselves. It was nobody influencing them to do this. It was just them. So I think, uh, Adam back, backed me on this and I think you know that, that, the, that fact of delivering an amazing tool for economic freedom and liberty and freedom from censorship and you know giving people their sovereignty is just the, at odds with the story that some like Alex Platsing like to say. I just you know he's a friend. I consider him a, a friend, a good friend. So I, I'm just I just we disagree on this issue, and I believe that you just need to look at the actions and you you'll see even more coming up in the next week or two. I think you'll see that the results, and you come here, everybody should come to El Zante. Everybody should go to San Salvador. You should talk to the people who actually have, their lives have been transformed by Bitcoin. And you know, they're Salvadorans and let them tell their story. And I think you'll find it. It's quite different from what you might find in Reuters or on CNN.
0: Absolutely. I'm going to keep hammering this point home. This is the theme for today's episode, guys. Actions speak louder than words. Let people follow through on their actions and let that speak for itself. I also want to highlight one thing because, Max, you did such an incredible job. I know you have another one coming out. Um, but in the most recent issue of Bitcoin Magazine with the uh, gentleman from El Salvador on the cover, check out Max's overdose article. Truly brilliant. I know you, you shout out... Uh, not not kindly, but one of your favorite people whose initials are MN. I want to give you the uh, soapbox f- for the last segment. I know there are a lot of people you like to call out. We called out Peter Schiff, MN, Musk last year. Any one of your choosing. doesn't even have to be one of those three. It could be David Bailey, if you'd like. Feel free You have 30 seconds to call him out and say what you'd like.
3: <laughs> oh, you know, on Valentine's Day, I want to keep it all about love. And... uh You know, we don't need to get all nasty on Valentine's Day. You know, let's all just join hands and get naked and have sex. You know, I I will say that my observation about the Bitcoin blockchain is that it is synchronizing a global orgasm. So at some point, we're going to see seven million or seven billion people come together, literally.
2: all right
4: that's
0: dead
3: air that's dead
2: air right there because we're laughing it's (laughs) the love
3: explosion the love explosion right that's what we that's what that's and then satoshi that's more more poetic satoshi will reveal himself the reason why satoshi is anonymous is because he's coming from the future so when we cross the bitcoin singularity when we have that massive orgasm when we all come together on block number like eight hundred twenty thousand. Satoshi reveals himself, and we see that is the uh, second coming of Satoshi.
0: Thank you, Max. I needed to start my Monday off laughing that hard. Thank you. You laugh now, sucker. You'll see. I'm right. <laughs> you'll see. You'll see I'm right. Max Geiser is always right. You have I stood first. you wrong? You have not. You have not. Um, guys, this has been far too much fun. I want to let My, you Michael to
1: Saylor say I'm the high priest of Bitcoin. You're going to doubt Michael Saylor? Are you going to say no to Michael Saylor? Giga Chad? <sighs> oh,
0: Max, it is an absolute pleasure. Stacy, thank you so much. You guys are too kind to take your time. Chat with a couple of us here at Bitcoin Magazine Live. Go back to surfing. Go back to enjoying El Salvador and preaching the good word of Satoshi to everyone who needs to
2: hear it.
1: Peace. Have a nice Valentine's Day. Peace, y'all. Happy Valentine's with love day and day. hope.
2: You too. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great day. Enjoy the waves. Alrighty. Bye now. Yeah.